Hello everyone, this is Sean Plumley. I'm a second year medical student on the East Campus at Nossum, and the focus of this podcast will be to provide some information on the profession of chiropractic. We're going to try to cover a little bit of everything in a concise manner, from the scope of practice to the state of the evidence, and I really hope that you'll leave today with a bit of an understanding of how to think about this profession uh, as you're seeing patients in the future. Roughly 20% of the Canadian population seeks care from a chiropractor. Some of you will know that prior to coming in awesome, I studied for a year at chiropractic college, uh, so I'm by no means an expert on the topic, but today I'm going to be speaking with someone who's a lot more knowledgeable than myself, Dr. Jairus Quinnell. Later, I'll also be speaking with Dr. Tara Baldessera, who now practices alongside Dr. Quinnell. Uh, Dr. Jairus Quinnell is a chiropractor and a clinical science specialist. He graduated from the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College in 2010, at which point he applied for a uh, residency position offered through CMCC in clinical sciences. So this was a two-year fellowship involving training in hospitals and a variety of other settings to gain advanced practice skills. He finished that program in 2012, at which point he started a World Health Organization fellowship for an additional year overseas. Dr. Quinnell then came back to Canada to begin practice. He's been in Sudbury now with his family since 2014, and he's practicing in an interprofessional setting with uh, Dr. Tara Baldessera and three other MDs. His practices focus primarily on musculoskeletal injuries, also includes sports medicine and concussion rehabilitation. He also does some teaching here at NOSM as an associate professor. Uh, Jairus is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to evidence-based assessment and treatment of musculoskeletal conditions, and I'm happy to have the opportunity to speak with him here today about the chiropractic profession. So without further ado, I'll invite uh, Dr. Jairus Quinnell to the podcast. Hope you enjoy it. All right, so I'm sitting down here with Dr. Jairus Quinnell. Jairus, thanks a lot for joining me today. Sean, thanks for having me, and I appreciate you giving me that introduction. I should say right off the top, before we get into some of these questions, that uh, my focus is oriented on my clinical science residency and specialty. And so the things that I'll be talking about are align themselves, no pun intended, align themselves well with uh, the way that I practice underneath the evidence-based paradigm to manual therapies, chiropractic, and rehabilitation. So I just wanted to make that distinction. And so in the field of chiropractic, there are variations of practice strategy and even philosophy. And the growing core of chiropractors are, are certainly being trained in an evidence-based fashion and practice certainly within that paradigm but all of my answers will be underneath or within that paradigm and understanding so I just wanted to make that maybe as a first statement all right well thanks a lot that definitely is an important distinction and provides a good outline for the rest of our talk here so Jairus how does a patient normally come to be seeing you and what does a typical treatment look like that's a good question. So chiropractors are uh, primary care, um, and so they, you can see a chiropractor without a referral from a physician. You could just walk in and make, book an appointment and see a chiropractor. Uh, but more often in lots of practices, especially those that are interdisciplinary or collaborative, patients are referred into, the, into a care for a specific reason. So in my practice specifically, I work, as I mentioned, with four uh, family docs, one MSK sport 
doc. And uh, so I certainly get lots of referrals from them to assist them with their collaborative management uh, and, and assist them with the MSK assessments and, and treatment. But when a patient is referred, uh, I think it's important for you as a physician to know that that patient uh, will not have OHIP coverage for chiropractic care, just as they wouldn't have coverage for physiotherapy or optometry. They have to rely on either paying out of pocket, uh, which can be expensive, or their uh, extended health insurance plans or their work insurance plans, their workplace insurance plans, motor vehicle accidents insurance. All those insurance plans will basically cover uh, chiropractic treatment. And so I think having that open discussion with the patient about a prospective referral, you might recommend it, but also need to take it really practically for that specific patient and understand there maybe their financial barriers that might be there. And in my practice, uh, I certainly want to see those patients who are not otherwise able to see me from a financial standpoint. So there are relationships built within referral structures that allow reduced fees or even pro bono and I see a certain proportion of my practice as a reduced and pro bono based care so that I can mesh well within the family physicians practice rosters and their uh, the need that those patients have. So those are done individually but generally speaking uh, a patient could enter into a chiropractor's care from just a self-referral or referral from a physician uh, or another type of healthcare practitioner um, and they would undergo generally a, an assessment with that chiropractor. Uh, in my practice, my assessments are 45 minutes uh, and they involve their evidence-based assessment, history, physical examination, lots of similar questions you guys would ask, paying close attention to prognostic factors, rendering a diagnosis, and then discussing the plan of management, discussing report findings, discussing informed consent, making that pathway to care and then setting up that plan for that patient. The care plans are short uh, in my practice. Uh, I generally will see patients in the neighborhood of four to six visits. Sometimes, depending on the condition, it's longer. Sometimes it's shorter. Uh, the costs uh, range. So uh, they range based on treatment time and interventions that are, are, are typically done. Um, and so, but they're not exuberant. Uh, the costs are not exuberant. They might be in the 50 to 60 or uh, or so dollars per visit. The assessment may be in that round $100 or you know 90 or $100 typically, um, and sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. Treatments with me are typically 20 minutes, uh, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, uh, depending on on what's needed, uh, but around that 20 minute mark. So that's uh, I think good information from if you didn't know what a chiropractor did and how to be. What, what a chiropractor does in terms of patient, uh, engaging a patient from their assessment. That's typically what's done and expected from a, a cost standpoint too. Okay, perfect. Thanks for that description. So Jairus, uh, spinal manipulative therapy is uh, definitely commonly used by a lot of chiropractors. I'm wondering if you can outline uh, some of the evidence around this and what conditions might benefit from it most. That's a great question. Uh, I'd be very happy to answer that. So spinal manipulative therapy, or uh, as chiropractors refer to it sometimes as an adjustment to the spine, is done not only by chiropractors. It is done by physiotherapists, so medical doctors, osteopaths, with each its own variation, uh, but 
achieving, I think, similar effects. Uh, the chiropractor uses often a high-velocity, low-amplitude thrust to manipulate a specific joint. That could be in the extremities, but most often done in the spine. So the science behind a spinal manipulation has evolved significantly in the last 20 years. The evidence and the randomized controlled trials, the other controlled trials, are quite robust these days. There are several guidelines that are rehabilitative focused but also guidelines for primary care physicians uh, that recommend spinal manipulative therapy for acute and chronic low back pain. Uh, there's strong evidence for its effect on neck pain and various grades of neck pain. Uh, so the answer for this question I think I'll take in two, uh, quickly in two different ways. One, to discuss what happens at the joint when you manipulate, and two, uh, about this, this, the evidence for its efficacy. So when we manipulate a joint, there is a quick sensory burst or sensory surge of information that is applied based on the quick stretch on the capsule of the joint. And that not only mechanically moves the joint or biomechanically moves the joint, but it neuro, has a neurophysiological change based on its sensory information that's being sent to the spinal cord and to the brain based on that quick uh, stretch response. That helps to, if you think of it as like a resetting of that neural tone or the communication from the capsule of the joint to the spinal cord. And that helps to uh, settle down or relax the tissues in the nearby area like the erector spinae muscles. It helps promote better joint mechanics and fluid in the joint. Okay, so these things are, are the easy ones that we can quickly think about. But also, there's recent study about the immunological effects on the joint uh, through manipulation. And again, further evidence about the neurophysiological effect of a manip manipulation. And that's where the science is really taking us, is the neurophysiological role of man manipulation. Not just in the spinal cord, but also supraspinally. So in the brain, what happens to those tissues. And... Uh, and, and to the joint itself. So uh, so I think it's quite complex. The evidence, uh, I would say, there's we have, have better evidence for its efficacy than we do for its neurophysiology, if that makes sense. There's uh, basic science studies that are emerging, certainly uh, week by week, it seems, but the evidence for its efficacy is certainly well established. Um, so uh, I would say for lower back pain, specifically facet pains, disc pains, sacroiliac joint pains, uh, the musculoskeletal sprains and strains of the neck, uh, and not to mention headaches. So headaches, there are good evidence for manipulation helping cervicogenic headaches, prophylaxis, migraine, it also helps with prophylaxis migraine treatment, and uh, uh, also uh, tension-related headaches. So these common headaches, it can be really helpful for as well. Yeah, I think I'll stop there. Perfect. I'm hoping that uh, a good portion of my classmates will have a chance to listen to this podcast prior to heading out on their clerkships in the fall. Um, do you have anything you'd like to say in terms of a main overarching take-home message with regards to chiropractic and how we can think about this profession and in our future careers? I would say that uh, from the from the perspective of a medical student, I would say there are uh, 
misconceptions of uh, what a chiropractor does, and there's generally lack of knowledge of what a chiropractor does and, and uh, offers. And uh, so that can be a bit confusing. But I would reassure that um, when you're out in your placements, talk with your preceptors uh, uh, and, 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 and get more information about how they uh, interact with chiropractors. And so some will be positive and some might be negative. I think those that are positive are likely dealing with uh, like-minded individuals under the umbrella of evidence-based care. And those that are negative might be uh, under the umbrella of uh, the chiropractor who uh, works more in, in silo uh, and uh, it maybe does not use evidence-based practices to drive their recommendations but might, uh, might, might not care to participate in interprofessional collaboration. Um, and I think there are many other variables uh, that within that sort of uh, that, that sort of relationship that are, are, are an issue. But the point being that it, the, the chiropractic profession is, uh, needs not to be a confusing one. Uh, the chiropractor is the uh, conservative spine care musculoskeletal expert who works well interprofessionally, empowers their patients through rehab strategies, exercises uh, as a primary method to help them engage in their function uh, and works collaboratively. And so if you have an experience or find a preceptor who's had poor experiences, I would bet that they are not uh, engaging in a chiropractor who might take on that type of outlook into their practice. And I would encourage them to reach out to find chiropractors who, uh, who practice in those ways. And I think they'd be pleasantly surprised on how well and how integrated they can work in achieving good outcomes for their, 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 their patients' uh, musculoskeletal health, spinal health, and, and also helping to manage general pain that is often as a result of a comorbid condition and alleviate the pressure on those complex patients that are continually returning to the physician office because they have pain, which is secondary to a chronic disease. And so the chiropractor can really help uh, alleviate that burden on the physician under the umbrella of musculoskeletal care. And uh, I think that that would help their office uh, efficiency. And, uh, and I know that because I do that in my practice and I've seen it time and time again and the literature speaks clearly to it. So, yeah, so basically to summarize, uh, the chiropractic profession isn't mystical. It is, it is, the last 20 years have demonstrated sound evidence for the use of manual therapies and the chiropractor is proficient in using those to rehabilitate their patients and work collaboratively. That's it. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Jairus, for, uh, for sitting down and speaking with me today. Thanks Anytime. for taking the time. I think it was uh, extremely beneficial for those who will uh, listen to this podcast. Happy to do it. All right. Thanks, Sean. Thanks again. Next up, Dr. Tara Baldessera will be speaking with us about her perspective. Dr. Baldessera is a family physician here in Sudbury. She attended medical school at the University of Ottawa before completing her residency at NOSM before it actually became NOSM. Dr. Baldessera's practice is primary care with a focus on sports medicine and musculoskeletal care, as well as interdisciplinary concussion management. Something I definitely admire is that she incorporates a lot of exercise prescription into her patient care. 
She's also an associate professor here at NASM. All right, so I'm sitting down with Dr. Tara Baldessera. Tara, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Sean. Happy to. Uh, so I was just going to ask you a couple questions related to your practice and uh, your work with uh, a chiropractor, Dr. Jaris Connell. Uh, so what patients do you typically refer for chiropractic assessment and treatment within your clinic? Great. Um, so in general, I would refer patients with any musculoskeletal uh, injury or presentation in, the, in two scenarios. Um, number one, if I feel that they would benefit from rehabilitation. Um, and when I think of rehabilitation, I think of um, a practitioner having multiple tools that they can use for rehabilitation. So, and depending on the practitioner, I usually have a sense of what sort of tools that that person might have. So for a chiropractor, a chiropractor um, I would think chiropractic tools like manipulations, but also um, in, when you know what practitioner you're sending to, um, I would have more detailed information about this, but I know with Dr. Quinnell, um, he would use things like ART, uh, acupuncture, um, uh, and other manual therapies in addition to what we may think of as, as traditional chiropractic uh, tools. So that first scenario would be when I, when I feel that they would benefit from rehabilitation. An important part of rehabilitation isn't just the manual therapies or the passive therapies, but also the uh, patient's rehabilitation exercise program that they would do at at home and ideally be shown uh, in the office so that they're, they're supervised. Um, and I, and uh, when I'm sending patients to Dr. Quinnell, I, I know all, all of that is part of his comprehensive plan. There's other scenarios uh, when I'm often looking to a chiropractor for um, assistance or perhaps even more detailed uh, diagno diagnostic uh, information. So I may make a diagnosis uh, around the musculoskeletal complaint but um, want an opinion on uh, a second opinion on that diagnosis or even more detailed information about what may make up that diagnosis. Uh, I'm using uh, musculoskeletal examples, but there are other examples I can um, think of around sometimes uh, headache presentations that I think have a musculoskeletal or a component to it. Um, and then, of course, I also have a, a large practice in concussion management, particularly in interdisciplinary concussion management. And uh, I do actually joint assessments with Dr. Cornell, uh, where we do comprehensive um, assessments from um, uh, history, physical in terms of um, cardiovascular, uh, with postural vitals, also uh, comprehensive neurological exam, musculoskeletal exam, and some advanced vestibular testing. So uh, that's an example where I may look and ask the question around more specific vestibular diagnoses. So we can look at if it's peripheral or central um, and what and what other systems may be affecting that. For example, cervical, uh, cervical um, components to that uh, vestibular presentation. Great. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like you guys have developed quite an extensive referral network and in terms of managing these conditions, uh, you make up a good team. How did you initially uh, become acquainted with Dr. Quinnell and develop this referral system that you guys have? Mm -hmm. Actually, it's an interesting story, actually. Uh, I'm going to say probably seven to eight years ago when I was uh, with uh, one of my medical partners starting up our, our practice, we actually got an email from Dr. Quinnell um, 
as he was considering coming back to Sudbury, I, and I don't think he knew us, I'm not sure how he found us, um, but just saying, have you ever worked in a model where uh, you have a chiropractor in the clinic, kind of like a family health team type model? Uh, that At that time, our, our practice scenario was limited in the space that we had, and we really didn't have a vision of, of uh, that kind of model. When he did come to Sudbury, um, I think we connected in these sort of sports medicine uh, fields um, and had some, I think, worked with some colleagues, uh, similar colleagues, and met through that way. And then uh, through work with concussion, I was doing some of that, and he had a strong interest in that. Um, we, we pursued some additional and extra uh, continuing education in that. Along those lines, treating patients um, and learning along with the, the emerging um, theories and treatments of concussion, we developed a very similar approach. And that approach to assessment um, made it easier for both of us in terms of communication. Um, we felt that our patients had better care in terms of continuity of care, but also the uh, using the same language, reinforcing the same treatment principles. And that, that continued to develop um, such that now we work in the same office space. So we started uh, that, I'd say, a year ago, and have even refined our, our practice uh, referrals further to have joint assessments. So um, now we'll have patients referred to our concussion management team. We've developed that team to include a nurse practitioner and a registered kinesiologist, and uh, very like formally with those two. Um, and then we also then would expand that referral network uh, potentially as appropriate for patients, whether it be optometry, um, psychology, neuropsychology, uh, dentistry sometimes, registered massage therapy, um, depending on the symptoms. So now we have patients referred to our concussion program and we have a streamlined assessment process where the patient's probably in our office for about two and a half hours. Uh, they have an intake sort of history. I'll assess them for 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, Dr. Cornell will assess them, um, reviewing their, 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 their history and the assessments that I've done and doing some more advanced musculoskeletal, advanced vestibular testing. After that, uh, we would put our heads together, really come up with a detailed diagnosis and treatment plan and then usually myself or the nurse practitioner we work with would go in and, and uh, do that kind of re-education that we've been doing along the way but really solidify that education and treatment plan for the patient and uh, provide them with their follow-up um, things like follow-up notes for school or work in terms of accommodations and um, make sure that they could start the rehabilitation at home and then follow up with us in the clinic. Great, yeah, that sounds like a very comprehensive approach. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a neat how it kind of uh, evolved based on both uh, our interests and uh, patient, uh, I'd say patient um, needs and community needs. Nice. Uh, so that's all I have. Uh, anything else you'd like to add on the topic of chiropractic? Any advice you might have for students uh, thinking about referring to chiropractors down the road? Mm -hmm. I think it would be a similar advice to any uh, other healthcare provider um, that you, you would find uh, helpful to the care of your patients is um, get to know the healthcare providers in your area, um, know what they do, how they treat patients. Um, and what, what their interests are so that you can kind of find the best fit for a patient. And uh, I certainly do think chiropractic care is a very large and important component to that healthcare team. Um, often you'll have healthcare providers come to you and tell, tell 
you about what they do and uh, certainly take advantage of those opportunities and uh, ask your patients who they've seen um, what they like you know what kind of treatment they've gotten specifically uh, what kind of hands-on treatment but also active uh, rehabilitation they've gotten so that you can get a sense of the network out there and then pursue that network uh, to be able to find the right fit awesome thanks again for speaking with me today no problem thank you very much take care so we've come to the end of the podcast. For those of you who have listened to this point, I'd like to thank you for that. And uh, I would encourage you, if you have any questions or comments about the material covered, please send me an email at splumley at nawesome.ca.